most valuable commodity I know of is information. Wouldn't you agree? Wouldn't you agree? I got five dollars. This is a run to the left. How many tackles can one man break? You're saying that humans need fantasy to make life bearable. Humans need fantasy to be human. My goodness, that was good. You guys are pros. The best. Relentless, refusing to give up. All right, hit that horn, babe. Let's dance. What's up, everybody, and welcome to the Fantasy Flex Podcast. I am your host, Chris Raybon of the Action Network, and this is our NFC East Fantasy Football Preview episode. You got me, you got Turner, that's two of the top five weekly rankers in the game from 2022 at Fantasy Pros. Trophies in the background, as you can see. Uh, Sean, what's going on, man? What's up? I can't believe you're letting me represent the Giants today and you're rocking that. Is that a sick uh, Roger Staubach jersey? So it's one of the two Roger Staubach jerseys I own. I actually own the blue one as well. Oh, so I got both nice. coming away for Roger. I got two Marinos. Uh, two Starbacks. I think those are the only two. I got multiple. Sick. So stick. Yeah, how to bring? Oh, and two Peyton Mannings. Two Peyton Mannings. Of course. <laughs> uh, but yeah, we're gonna. Uh, if case you haven't been or heard our <laughs> AFC East episode, we broke down about forty players in in sixty yep. minutes for that one. Uh, we're gonna try to do the same thing here. We're gonna go through every fantasy relevant player for the Eagles, the Cowboys, the Giants, and the Washington. What are they now? No, they're the commanders for football now. Football team. For now, right, yeah. I, I miss I missed the good old football team. Uh, <laughs> so uh, we're going to get right to it because we really like to – it's going to kind of take up as much of the hour as we possibly can with this. Uh, we'll use best ball ADP from the last two weeks uh, to give us a, a pretty recent but also large enough sample. Jalen Hurts, QB3 uh, in ADP, QB1 in points per game last year. I really love the consistency. He was top seven in 80% of his starts. He only had one finish lower than QB 14. And that came in week 18 when it didn't even matter. What can we say about Jalen this year? Uh, just the, the days of us getting him as a mid-range, the low-end QB one are officially over. Um, I would call him a league-winning pick last year, but... He missed the fancy playoffs. He missed week 16 and 17. So I had to stream two weeks for those weeks. So damage it. But either way, uh, AJ Brown clearly helped unlock his ceiling uh, in the passing game last year. Plus the QB sneak push push or whatever they call it. Uh, obviously helped Jalen rack up 13 touchdowns on the ground last year. And the NFL choosing not to like really eliminate that play means that we can probably bank on him hitting double digits touchdowns again this year i mean that play is such a cheat code so um just when it comes to the top three i don't think you, you can make a case for josh allen patrick holmes or jalen hurts at number one i would put it this way i would say hurts has the best chances of finishing as the top overall qb but allen and mahomes probably have better odds of finishing as a top three quarterback if that makes sense um just hurts he carries a little bit more injurious just given how often he runs the ball Plus, if he were to pick up, you know, a lower, lower body injury where he plays through it, it would sap his rushing ability, which would sap his ceiling a bit. So he has a little bit more to lose than Eleanor Mahomes. But either way, you can't go wrong with either of these guys. I think Hertz probably has the the higher ceiling, um, but I'm still taking Allen over him. Hertz second, Mahomes third. Yeah, Hertz uh 51 rushing yards per game last season, 13 rushing touchdowns in 15 games potentially could see some regression there. Mm -hmm. uh, one thing I'll say about this offense, you know, Steichen obviously has moved on from the offensive coordinator role in Philly to become the head coach of the Indianapolis Colts. So uh, congrats to him. Uh, they promoted from within, did the Eagles with Ryan Johnson, who was a quarterback's coach uh, the last couple of years. So not expecting massive changes to the offense, but I will say this, if there is a little bit of downside for Hertz. Uh, besides, obviously, the injury risk or the the touchdown mm -hmm. rushing regret, rushing touchdown regression, I think that some of his rushing attempts may convert to throws this year. I see them being a little more pass heavy. Uh, number one, because they got DeAndre Swift, and uh, I've already seen reports out of camp that 
They 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 acquired him with the intent to use the backs more in the passing game and specifically scheme up easy completions, more easy completions uh, for Jalen Hurts. Uh, also, underrated signing, but I think Olamide Zacchaeus is actually a major improvement over what they had at the number three wide receiver the last couple of years. Uh, Zacchaeus for his career, 1.4 yards per route. Quez Watkins last year, 0.9. And Zach Pascal, 0.9. So I think you're going to get a little bit more efficiency. Goddard also missed five games last year. Uh, so maybe he stays a little healthier, although the, the Brown and Smith didn't miss any, so that kind of evens out. But overall, I do think you could see some of the rushing yardage get converted to passing yardage, which isn't always ideal for fantasy, but I uh, still think hurts either way. Uh, you can't take him outside of the top three quarterbacks, and I have no problem uh, yeah. taking him where he's at because, uh, you know, as we've talked about, this it's not really a late-round quarterback environment anymore. You know, now mm-hmm. – you know, the market has sharpened and the rushing court, the running quarterbacks, the scrambling quarterbacks are going where they should be going. So, uh, you know, I, I going to quarterback a little bit earlier. Uh, I still prefer, you know, waiting a little bit, getting like a Justin Fields, but no problem taking Hurts yeah. uh, there at, uh, especially at QB three. Uh, but I mentioned DeAndre Swift and mm-hmm. uh, this is so, someone I want to spend some time on because he's going as the RB21. And I think I, I think you're a little bit down on him. Initially, I thought I would be too, but the more I look into it, the more I, I'm actually in line with uh, you know, somewhere in the in, in the low 20s. Because I look at what he did last year. He was the number 16 running back uh in points per game in PPR formats and the number 22 in half PPR formats among running backs that played at least eight games. And he did that despite playing only 42% of the snaps. Uh, and so I I, I want to hear your case uh, of why you're down on him. I know it has to do with, you know, Hurts and not throwing the ball to, to backs as much. So uh, I'm curious to hear it because I, I think you have some some good points. Yeah, so let me be clear. His value shot up a ton the past two months, and rightfully so, because it was looking like, you know, the, the Lions brought in Dave Montgomery, which was a crushing blow to uh, Swift's draft value then they drafted jameer gibbs um so finding a new landing spot was ideal for swiss value and sure landing on one of the best run heavy offenses in the eagles was a great landing spot um and he should absolutely be the first running back off the board from the eagles he has massive upside but i do have some pause now that he's up to like rb20 mm-hmm. this is the frozen pond kind of range <laughs> and while it's comforting that the Eagles are talking about throwing the ball to the running back more. It's one of those, just I'll believe it once I see it kind of things, you know, they Jalen hurt specifically only targeted running backs five or more times in five of his 15 games last season. Mm -hmm. I mean, he does, he's still going to want to scramble as opposed to checking it down to running back. So while they might design some screen passes and stuff, I think, you know, hurts is still going to scramble a ton. So that's going to eat into Swift's, potential role in this offense. So, um, and plus Jalen Hurts is going to eat into his touchdown share again. The NFL didn't do anything to take away that tush push uh, rule. So, you know, Swift might be pushing Jalen Hurts into the end zone a few times, but he's not going to be scoring those touchdowns. So there's just some reasons why I think he might not hit his ceiling. And they still, they have Rashad Penny there, who I think probably offers better value around RB40. Cause I think either one of these backs could hit in this offense. And I just think Penny has, the skill set that aligns more with Miles Sanders. Uh, and I think that's where, you know, the key um, fantasy relevant touches are in this offense. So I'll, I'll read the reports. And if if I do think that Swift is going to see, you know, more than four catches a game, I'll be more into his ADP. But right now, it's just based on the scheme and the fit. Like, it, it does worry me how he would fit in this offense. Now, and that, and that's absolutely fair. Uh, I think for me is where I'm at is, I, you know, I look at that, you know, being the RB16, RB22 in full and half PPR, respectively, in a nightmare, uh, like an absolute nightmare <laughs> of a season. Yeah. Just, I, I, I give him, I, I'm going to give him some leash in, and say, okay, you know, maybe he doesn't, you know, he doesn't have as much room to grow as a penny who's, you know, down another 20 spots yeah. uh, in terms of beating his ADP. 
but I like the floor ceiling combo, you know, where we're at, you know, the old line should be even better than Detroit's. Um, you know, the offense should probably be even more high scoring than Detroit's. And remember, Miles Sanders still tied with Jalen Hurts for fourth in uh carries inside the 10-yard line. They both had 26. And um, you know, again, I think Philly maybe a little bit more pass heavy this year. Remember, Hurts did struggle with some injuries down the stretch. So you know how that goes. Hurts every year. He's kind of added something to his game. And the fact that they want to get him more completions and they went out and, you know, easy completions and they went out and kind of, you know, you know, walk the walk and didn't just, you know, talk the talk and got a guy like Swift who is, who is a, a, a you know, one of the premier receivers at the position. I, I actually believe that they will increase it, uh, increase that, that usage. And I, I can see where it will come from because last season, Philadelphia's running backs, pass blocked about 80 times and their tight ends pass blocked only about 60 times. Uh, so like, you don't need to have the, like the running backs blocking at all when your, your number two tight end is going to be Jack Stoll, who even when Goddard was healthy, the backup tight end still ran about 26% of the routes. Like they don't need to be running any of those routes. They can, they should be pass blocking anytime the Eagles want to have a pass blocker. So I think you can get it from that. And then, when you look at Miles Sanders, uh, he played mm-hmm. about 49% of the pass snaps. So non-Sanders running backs played about 51%. I think there's a lot of room to grow there for Swift because you look at a guy like like, like Sanders, um, and like, let's say you're saying, okay, Penny's going to have more of that kind of role. Well, mm-hmm. last five weeks in, into the postseason, Sanders was averaging f- over 14 carries and under 31% of the pass snaps. So there's still a way for Swift to get, you know, his double-digit carries and, you know, like dominate the pass game usage because Rashad Penny has never really been a pass uh, game guy. And then another thing is, you know, I think the Eagles will keep only three backs active. Maybe they go four this year, maybe. Um, But remember, Rashad Penny hasn't played more than 10 games since his rookie year of 2018, and he's never played a full season, but not more than 10 over the last four years. Uh, I think that's significant because I think you're going to have some games where Swift is, you know, something we really haven't even seen from Sanders yet, where he's kind of like this, like a, a, a Sanders with passing game usage where he could get, you know, upwards of 15 carries and, and still get, you know, his normal pass game usage. I don't think maybe it'll be as much as Detroit in his prime, but I just see a lot of ways for DeAndre Swift to score fantasy points and not really fall too far outside, you know, the top 25 um, mm-hmm. per game. So I, I, I'm digging Swift, but I do agree with you on Penny, who's going as the RB39, with the caveat that I just wouldn't do it in best ball because he has it, he's only played, you know, 10, he's maxed yeah. out at 10 games over the last four years. So I in in a redraft league, I think Penny has that same Miles Sanders upside that you referenced. And so um, you know, you look at Gainwell and Scott, they combined to play 45% of the snaps last year, you know. Yeah. So you could like the the Eagles RB3, you know, when it was like usually it was Boston Scott under two carries per game um, and about seven routes. And, and that could go, that has even more room to go down. You could probably get, you know, one or two routes and a couple of, of carries and, you know, just use that, you know, Gainwell or Scott, whoever it is as, as a special teamer mostly and, and a returner and kind of get their value that way. So I, I see a lot of ways for, for Swift to hit, but I also see a lot of upside for Penny because remember before they didn't know they were going to be able to get Swift. And I think Penny mm-hmm. was ticketed for that Sanders role. So uh, I, I do totally agree with you uh, that Rashad Penny uh, does have some upside and it is a sleeper. It's just, I, I wouldn't do it in best ball. I think in redraft when you can just kind of, you know, start someone else when he's hurt, that's the optimal way to, to approach him. Yeah, exactly. And I, like I said, I think Penny does seem like a better fit to take over the early down Miles Sanders role. I mean, Penny has a 5.7 yards per carry for his career. Now he gets to play behind one of the best, offensive lines in the league uh so he could post rb3 flex numbers uh even in a timeshare with deandre swift like he could you know Mm -hmm. hit a home run on just eight carries so um while penny does struggle to stay healthy like you mentioned so does deandre swift yes swift has never played a full season either so 
both of these running backs do carry a ton of injury upside if the other if the other one goes down. So that's why I like Penny 20 slots later. Yes. Um, but I will say, like, just looking at the running backs, I would say from like 15 to 29. I mean, it's a crapshoot. So <laughs> I'm certainly gonna take some flyers on DeAndre Swift. I think he has top 10 upside. Um, uh, but there's a lot of concerns about all these running backs. I mean, we actually have a frozen pond tier this year. Last season, I didn't think we did. This year, I think we do. So I think it does make sense to take some shares of Swift at 20, but I wouldn't go berserk um, just because he does have upside. I just think the better value is still Penny uh, around RB40. Oh, yeah, I would agree. I, I think it's more so that I'm not I'm not fading Swift Oh yeah, no, um, I, I, at RB20. Um, I'm a tad lower. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. No, no, that's fair. That's fair. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, I look at things like, the one thing about Penny is, um, and, and this is credit to the Eagles too, because I think mm-hmm. Swift only has a one, like a, under a two mil cap hit this year, but uh, Penny only got $600,000 guaranteed uh, and 1. Uh, 1.4 mil total on a one-year deal uh, this year. And he is older too. So, yeah. um, you know, just, just, I, I do look at that as well. Um, and the fact that they did feel the need to go out and get like a guy like Swift when they had, um, Penny kind of tells me that I still think Swift has considerable upside, but I, but no, I totally agree. I think I think Penny can smash this ADP even with Swift uh, beating his ADP. I, I think yeah. both of them can, and it shouldn't be over. You mentioned the, the O line; it should not be overstated. Penny is going from an offensive line in Seattle that ranked bottom three in adjusted line yards at just over four to a top six offensive line uh, that ranked uh, that had uh, was given backs about four point seven. Uh, yards per carry so about almost like a you know two-thirds of a yard more uh on average is philly blocking for its back so uh, i expect a ton of efficiency i expect a ton of touchdowns uh for both of these guys and i think that leads me to say that at rb52 i don't want anything to do with (laughs) kenneth gainwell because boston scott was the RB3 last year. Now, Gainwell's best case scenario is now the RB3. Boston Scott uh, finished around RB75 last year, played in 16 games, RB75 in the RB3 role. And not only do I think that that RB3 role could be reduced even more, but it's quite possible that Boston Scott actually gets that role over Gainwell because they re-signed Boston Scott, gave him just over $1 million guaranteed, which is no small sum. And Boston Scott outsnapped Gainwell on special teams, 84 to 43. So it's possible. I'm not saying it's a short thing, but it's possible that Gainwell is a healthy scratch. It's possible that he's the four string running back and they just keep four active, but you know, it's kind of him and Scott kind of taking turns in that RB three role, which was again, only as the 75th best running back. And even though I think both of these guys struggle with the durability, you can't count on that at RB 52. Like there's, there's, there's better ways to spend that pick than saying, okay, like I'm just going to bank on Swift and Penny getting hurt to the point where I know I can predict gain well, and it's not going to be Scott. So just way too many uh, questions. Uh, so, but I'm curious, what do you think about this kind of like gain what 52 and then Scott is, is, a, is more, is closer to RB 80, RB 82. Um, I, I think Scott's the better value if you're going to take one, but I, I would prefer to just take Swift and, and, and Penny and, and have shares of those guys. Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah, Gainwell at 52 is nuts. I had no idea he was that high. Absolutely not. Because um, he probably needs two injuries to hit. Mm-hmm. Um, and if if I'm looking at ADP, you can get Tank Bigsby later, Jerome Ford later, um, Chase Brown. All those guys are one injury away. Jalen Warren? Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. So there's you, – you always have to think, how many injuries would it take for this guy to hit? He needs two. All these other guys need one. And they have higher upside than him. So 52 is egregious. He is the absolute bust for this team. Uh, in terms of Boston Scott, he's nothing but a troll uh, for people that take DeAndre Swift or Rashad Penny. You know, he's going to get his vulture touchdowns, and that's about it. He's not somebody you draft. But if you have Swift or Penny, you have to get yourself a Boston Scott uh, voodoo doll like I have um, and just curse his name every time he gets one of those goal line touchdowns. Yeah, this is like if you listen <laughs> to our <laughs> if you listen to our AFC East pod, I talked about how there probably shouldn't be much separation between 
uh, Deontay Hardy and Khalil Shakir. And I feel yeah. the same way. I don't think there should be much separation between Boston Scott and Kenneth Gainwell, especially with Scott getting over a mil uh, guaranteed yeah. uh, on the deal. Cause uh, you know, that he, he just might, you know, if they're going with three instead of four, it, it may well be him for, for special teams uh, reasons, but uh, AJ Brown wide receiver eight. I mean, he was a top 25 wide out 13 of 17 weeks last year. Uh, only two finishes below 38th. I mean, uh, at wide receiver eight, sounds about right, right? Yeah, yeah. Just if anything, he helped unlock Hurts' uh, ceiling. You know, it's still a run-heavy offense, so that caps Brown's ceiling. But he's a top-10 receiver, and he could be even better uh, in year two in this offense. He has yep. more chemistry with Hurts, so nothing wrong with his ADP here. Devontae Smith, wide receiver 13. Um, he was a little bit more, uh, you know, boomer bust. He still had a top 30 finish in half PPR in 12 of 17 games. But when he didn't finish top 30, uh, it was three finishes between 54 and 59 and then a 70 and a 119. So the floor is a little bit lower. And four of those five low scores came in the 12 games that Goddard played. So if Goddard yep. stays healthy, just expect a little bit more variance from Smith. Again, I still think, you know, he's another guy. Could still be getting better. He's only in year three. Um, so I wouldn't necessarily, I'm not fading him. Uh, but just, you know, especially in redraft, just kind of, I, I think, pointing that out uh, for people. And then your boy, Dallas Goddard, tight end five. Uh, any Any thoughts on him? Uh, I think that sounds about right. Yeah. Um, you know, he was tight end five weeks, one through 10 before missing the next game, uh, five games due to injury. But I've always said he's a top five tight end without Zach Ertz. So that that was certainly the case last season. But I, I do think that's his ceiling. You know, he has to share targets with A.J. Brown and Devonta Smith on a run heavy team. So Swift now too. Swift now too. Uh, that could, yeah, that could Swift, have a, a, yeah, like a tiny little bit of a discernible that, effect though. Yeah, I, yeah I added that just just having a high-end pass catching back like Swift um, probably will eat into Goddard's uh, target share. So that I think that's uh, a reason to not take him here. Uh, but I don't like the tight ends after Goddard. So I I still think tight end five is fair for him. Um, but uh, he would need one of these players to miss time to to be a potential top three option. I just think tight end five is right about in line with me on uh, Goddard. Yeah, I don't have any problem there. Um, I just I do love the consistency. So like, even if he falls off a little bit, the, he there's a long way down because he was a top thirteen tight end in ten of twelve games he played. Yeah, and the other two, twenty uh, seventh and thirty first. So it wasn't even like he was putting up a straight, you know, like zero. Like he was still kind of yeah. in the startable range. You know, it wasn't like he was putting up like you know backup numbers in, in those other two games. So. Um, backup for a team for the league. I mean, you know, like the 32 teams, and but to be fair, uh, AJ Brown and Devonte Smith played all 17 right. games last season. So that probably won't happen again. I mean, it could, but it probably won't. So he has some upside there. That kind of goes back to what you're saying about Devonta Smith, how he kind of went off when Goddard was out those four games. So there's that element, uh, as well. But, uh, at the end of the day, like we know who he is at this point, top five tight end. Yeah. So, uh, we're talking around the same page here. Um, you know, your, your sweeper for the Eagles, Rashad Penny, and, and mine is as well, though I will put the caveat of not in best ball just because, the, I, I you know, those 10, the, the maxing out of 10 games for four years in a row, I, I just I just rather have the security of being able to, to swap him out if, if he happens to miss more time. And then both of us uh, think Kenneth Gainwell is going to bust as a borderline top 50 running back with, with Swift and Penny uh, now in tow, especially with Boston Scott probably yeah. making the roster uh, yet again. Hi there, listeners. We're back to invite you to head into this sports betting summer with new gear built to last. And friends of the podcast, Shady Rays have you covered against the glare of that summer sun with premium polarized shades. Shady Rays is an independent sunglass company offering world-class products, durable frames, the clearest possible optics, and Shady Rays also offers the best protection plan in all of eyewear. How good is it? Well, every pair of their sunglasses is backed by lost and broken replacements. So what does that mean? Here's what they told me. It means if you lose or break your pair, Shady Rays will send you a brand new pair, no questions asked. Plus, if you don't love them, it's okay. You don't need to cry about it. You just exchange them for a new pair or even return them for free within 30 days. There's no risk when you shop with Shady Rays. And you can look good and feel good because to date, 
Shady Rays has donated over 20 million meals to fight hunger with Feeding America. That's nice. So, exclusively for you, our beloved podcast listeners, Shady Rays is giving out their best deal. Go to ShadyRays.com and use code ACTION for 50% off two or more pairs of polarized sunglasses, and you can try for yourself the shades rated five stars by over 200,000 people. Uh, let's move on to the Dallas Cowboys. So the big news here, new play caller. Mike McCarthy taking over for Kellen Moore, who went to the Chargers. Yeah. They do have a new OC, but he's not going to call plays, and it's Brian Schottenheimer. Um, but, um, you know, I, I like what I hear from McCarthy in terms of, you know, having more purpose and, and making the team kind of understand, you know, some of those details that maybe they were missing, having some of those meltdowns in the postseason. So maybe you, you could be better, but, you know, you always worry with these head coaches. They already have so much on their plate. Yeah. Um, you know, so I don't know, is, is this, ha- does this have any kind of discernible effect in, in your projections, uh, for, for the Cowboys? Not yet, but it could, because, you know, McCarthy says he wants to run the ball more. Plus, you know, the Cowboys have played with such a fast pace under Kellamore. If they slow down the pace, that's going to take away five, 10 plays possibly from the offense. So those things do add up. Um, I'm not in a hurry to make any like huge changes to my projections but it's something that we need to keep an eye out on um plus you know Dak gains a quality uh number three receiver in Brand Cooks but he does lose Dalton Schultz uh so that it could be a different look on the offense but at the end of the day I, I still view Dak as you know a high floor low end QB1 he just doesn't carry the same rushing upside anymore mm-hmm. um since his injury he's only scored two rushing touchdowns uh, the past two seasons after that leg injury. Um, so I think QB 10 makes sense, but if you're in best ball, I think you have to stack him. I think that's how you unlock his upside is stacking him with, um, you know, lamb cooks, Gallup, those guys, um, in order to get his upside. But, uh, he, he seems priced about right. Here's a, here's a question I have for you actually, because, yeah. and I just thought about this, but Ezekiel Elliott, uh, four double digit touchdown seasons, uh, in his seven that he played with Dak, uh, no longer on the roster, uh, might that increase Dak's uh, running usage? Maybe, maybe just around the goal line. Because I remember, you know, McCarthy with Aaron Rodgers, um, even as Rodgers kind of ran less, uh, he still seemed to be pretty active around the goal line. So, I mean, maybe there's some upside there with, with Zeke yeah. on because uh, 12 touchdowns in 15 games last year, 10 touchdowns uh, in 17 uh, the year before. Yeah, no, that's interesting. I'll have to dig into that. I think Pollard theoretically could just take all those touchdowns <laughs> away. Could. And it could be a situation where you mentioned where, you know, the Chiefs after Mahomes had that knee injury, they don't like him running it in near the, the goal line. I don't know if it's a schematic thing with Dak. They're trying to preserve him. Have to look into that. Plus, Zeke could return, right? We'll talk that about that in a bit. Yeah, so, yeah. so, yeah, it could all wash out. But, yeah, certainly um, if, you know, they, they want to give him more goal line carries, that's going to help uh, get his touchdowns back up. But it just was interesting to see that since his leg injury, it does correlate with what I it thought does. would it, happen anyway. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, let's let's hold off on the running backs. Let's keep going with the passing yeah. game um, because I, you did say something interesting. You said Cooks was the wide receiver three. Um, he's being drafted as the team's wide receiver two. I, yeah, I, I misspoke. Uh, to, to actually have a third receiver, they didn't have one last year. <laughs> but that's but that's fair. But let's let's start with Ceedee Lamb, and then we'll yeah. get into. Uh, Cooks and Gallup. Lamb is wide receiver seven. Uh, first year in the league, targeted on 21% of his route. Second year, 22%. Third year, 26%. He's still only 24 years old. Uh, his yards per route has been increasing uh, every year 1.8, 2.1, 2.4. His touchdowns per catch have been going up from 7% to 8%, uh, you know, to 8.5%. So, uh, really nothing not to like about Lamb, even, you know, with Cooks kind of replacing Schultz. I still think, you know, usually like the guys at the top of the target totem pole, they're not really being affected. It's just the, the it's being kind of mixed up with everyone under. So I still think yeah. Lamb uh, is, is good enough to be drafted as a as a top 10 uh, wide receiver. Any any uh, any pushback there? No, no pushback whatsoever. It was not shocking uh, to see him have his first 100-plus reception season. I mean, when he was drafted in the first round in 2020, I was waiting until, what, year three when they would move on from either Cooper or Gallup. Um, So he is the true number one target in this offense. He's entering year four. He's 24 years old. 
what's not to love? So yeah, he's certainly a top 10 wide receiver, uh, one of the best in the game. So even if the Cowboys do become a little bit more run heavy, uh, play at a slower pace, it, it doesn't matter. Lamb is going to see such a massive target share. Uh, love him at, you know, wide receiver seven. One of three Cowboys being drafted the top 10 at their position at wide receiver seven, along with Prescott, QB 10, and Pollard at RB9. But uh, talk to me about uh, your boy, Michael Gallup. He's going wide receiver 69 uh, compared to wide receiver 42 uh, for Brandon Cooks. Uh, I have a sneaking suspicion that you think this should be a little bit closer. Um, yeah, no, to be clear, to to <laughs> revise what I said earlier, I do think Cooks will be the number two wide receiver. Um, but I think Gallup, it, it, the gap should be closer. You know, he's wide receiver 66. I'm projecting him inside the top 60. Um, you know, he's only 27 years old. He played at less than 100% last mm-hmm. season. Like, he definitely struggled last year. Um, he wasn't able to even debut until, like, week five. They eased him in. Um, McCarthy has mentioned expanding Gallup's route tree. You know, there's been some really good news around Gallup. I still think he's a really good receiver. Um, And the the Cowboys lost Dalton Schultz. Um, So while they picked up Brandon Cooks, there's still going to be, you know, extra targets to go around with Schultz. We'll talk about tight ends later. I don't know if anybody's going to be able to make up for Schultz. So um, there's a chance that Gallup does end up being the number two target in this offense. I don't think it's likely, but there's a chance. So I think he's the better value right now at uh, wide receiver 66. Yeah. because And you mentioned it. Gallup's 27, more than a year removed from the ACL. McCarthy saying Gallup ran too many go routes last year, yeah. which that's, you know, kind of, music to our ears because that's when you don't get targets. you know you will get targets but they'll be inefficient and yeah. you know for everyone you hit you'd rather just get like a higher target share and more and you know more catches yeah. in, in these ppr days that we live in um so if he's not going to exclusively play the x and he's not going to run too many go routes who do you think is going to take over for that Hmm. The guy they just traded a, a fifth and a sixth for Brandon Cook. So you said yeah maybe it's not like I would actually say if they both stay healthy for the same amount of games, I'll still give Brandon Cooks the edge, but I would say it's a lot closer to like 60-40, you know, 60-40 probably at most uh, that Gallup could outscore Cooks and potentially even be the number two target. Because again, we're literally talking about running him running less uh, low percentage routes, which then have to be taken by, you know, another guy who can fly and, and can play the X receiver uh, in Brandon cook. So yeah, I I think Gallup is a, one of my favorite sleepers um, uh, of this, uh, you know, of June of, as we record this now. So uh, I'm totally on board with you there. No, no real qualms with cooks at at wide receiver Mm -hmm. uh, 42. You know, I, I just, I think the value for Gallup is so much better. Whereas I think cooks is a, a little bit closer to his ceiling. So um, not a not a big cooks fade or anything like that, but yeah. I'm just gonna I just gonna want a lot more sh- uh, shares of, of Michael Gallup here uh, at wide receiver sixty nine, and then you know you mentioned Schultz, he's in Houston, only got a one year deal there, so um, you know obviously the Cowboys felt they they they, they could replace him, and and the market kind of proved them them right. Uh, so Jake Ferguson's going as tight end thirty two, uh, Luke Schoonmaker. Rookie out of Michigan, second rounder, is going as tight end 40. And what I think is interesting about this is Ferguson was pretty good last year. The underlying metrics, 21% targets per route, uh, 1.7 yards per route. But him and fellow rookie Peyton Hendershot actually split snaps pretty even. Mm -hmm. So this, to me, just looks like kind of a, a stay away. Um, But I feel like Schoonmaker is the wave of the future and Ferguson is going to play a lot, but not really produce the way Schultz did it. If that makes sense, because I look at his a dot and I think that's, I I read something about Schottenheimer and and just McCarthy. They wanted a guy who could make plays further down the field and Jake Ferguson's average depth of target was 3.1. So I'm 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 gonna fade Ferguson even though there are some things to like. Um, but what what about you? What are you doing with this this tight end room? Yeah, well, it's a tricky situation because we can't just ignore it because uh, Dalton Schultz is leaving a lot of targets behind, 
And Dalton Schultz, he wasn't some elite talent. I think he de- he definitely benefited from the scheme. So if one of these guys does win the role, they could seriously pan out. So I think it is worth trying to figure out who it will be. Right now, I couldn't tell you. I think right now Ferguson has the inside track um, just because he already has a year under his belt. Um, you know, they kind of split time with him and Hendershot and Ferguson outplayed him. So I think he is the current favorite. But, you know, uh, man, Schoonmaker, um, you know, he, he's more talented, but he's a rookie. Uh, but the Cowboys really passed up on some quality pass catching tight ends in the draft. I mean, they could have ended up with Sam Laporta, uh, Michael Mayer. They really passed up on some elite tight ends. So they kind of got the best of the rest. And Schoonmaker, and he does have some upside. I, I think, you know, he's a good blocker. Uh, he was limited production-wise in college, but that had mainly to do with the scheme at Michigan. He could be a quality pass-catching tight end in the right scheme. So I think he could pan out, um, but he's a rookie tight end. So they're, they, they're usually behind the eight ball. And he's been dealing with a plantar uh, fasciitis injury where he's in a walking boot. He's missing OTAs. So that's not a great start. So that's something I'm going to have to monitor um, but this is a situation I think it's going to be between Screwmaker and Ferguson. And I think they are worth dart throws in this range just because if one of them does pick up, just say 70, 80 percent of the Dalton Schultz role, uh, they're going to be a home run in the, in the late 30s at ADP. So this is something we're going to have to monitor, but I think it's going to be one of those two guys. Yeah. Um you know, I think if 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 we had an injury, that would that would clarify things a lot. But yeah. I, I think the way it's going now. I like the tight ends probably going to be the the designated pass blocker if they keep one in because not only do you have Lamb Cooks Gallup now but you also have Pollard as the RB one where Zeke was not really a pass he was a, a good pass blocker yeah. not really a great or, or he you know better served as a pass blocker I don't, I don't call him great but um, Pollard you, you want him in the route so um, yeah I, I I just can't get behind Ferguson with with Schoonmaker going in the second and the three the three yard a dot. Um, and so, yeah, I, I would take uh Scoodmaker if push came to shove at, at 40, he's eight spots lower anyway. Um, so yeah, uh, Pollard, he's going, I mentioned as a top 10 back, uh, looks like he's making, you know, good, good progress recovering from that ankle injury. I, I mean, you know, what do we really say about him? We know he's just nasty. Like if yes. he's, he's going to be the starter, no Zeke. I mean, I, we, we've been waiting back. for this, right? Yeah, uh, a season with RB one overall upside, right? Like he, absolutely. If unless unless I mean, if Christian McCaffrey stays healthy, maybe not. But I mean, mm-hmm. Howard is you know he has that just on efficiency alone. Oh right? yeah, for sure. Yeah. Oh yeah, top five for sure. Potentially top two. I, I would go there. Um, hopefully they don't bring Zeke back. They could. Um, and you know they they have some backups there, but I don't think they're going to make any noise. I think the plan would be. To, to have Pollard be the workhorse back. Uh, it looks like he is coming along with his, uh, the high ankle sprain obviously should be fine by now and his broken fibula. So I'm not too worried about his week one status, uh, but we have to monitor it. Either way, he should be a top 10 uh, off running back off the board. Yeah. And uh, any, I know Deuce Vaughn was a day two pick, but he's more like a, yeah. a Cavante Turpin type, you know, in that realm where I think it's going to be one of Davis or Jones to kind of get more, you know, what what we would look at is the Zeke role. Uh, any any Davis going to RB seventy eight, Jones eighty three, and Vaughn actually seventy five. Um, yeah. Any thoughts on just the best option to cuff since they're all pretty much free um, as of right now? Well, they're not free, and we, we, that's one of those situations where there's not much clarity. So I tend to stay away. But Malik Davis really flashed whenever um, he got touches last mm-hmm. year, um, so he's worth the flyer. I wouldn't touch Ronald Jones. Um, but I like Deuce Vaughn, like before he got drafted by the Cowboys, I actually considered him like a miniature Tony Pollard. Um, now he'll never be able to be a workhorse back at his size, right? but he can certainly make some noise in like a limited role. Um, but I, until we get any clarity, I'm not really targeting these guys as high upside injury, you know, upside backs, um, because any one of these guys could be that guy so we'll, we'll just watch this sort out but I, it's between Blake Davis and Deuce Vaughn for me for sure oh really so you're just out on uh on, on Rojo he's only yeah, 20, way, he's only 26 you know Davis he, is 25 I actually think I think that the Zeke role is actually the Zeke role, perfect exactly. for him so yeah, like, like I, I'm not counting back. him out I'm not counting him out you I, know, he, I, I'm not counting him out like to make the team and score some touchdowns but just in terms of fancy upside 
I'm counting him out in that regard. Really? Oh, I wow. Think, nah, I, okay. I think, I think, oh, I think, I think Davis has upside. I think Deuce Vaughn certainly has some upside. I just, I just He's see, got some, I just see Vaughn as more of like a gadget guy. Um, like I, I know he's running back by trade, but I, I think he's going to be used more as like a returner and a receiver. But I think if, you know, if they need an, another guy to give, you know, like eight to 10 carries to, I think it would be one of Davis and, and yeah, Jones, and I do well, think that's, it's somewhat close, right? As yeah, a, Deuce could probably handle eight to ten. That's about it. I just, but I just don't know is, if he gets him in year one because right, you know the Cowboys were rookies, haven't you know? Like yeah. Turpin didn't do much. Uh, what was it? You know, just like you haven't, you don't really see the the rookies do a ton. Yeah. Um, and, and they do have kind of a veteran squad, but I, I could be wrong. And I do like Deuce. He's he's certainly explosive, but I, I'm just yeah, I'm, I'm just envisioning more of like a a gadget role for yeah him. he's he's five five but he is nasty so like a tree cohen kind of yeah yeah that's true. upside yeah, yeah. And, and cohen popped off his rookie year so something to keep in mind but uh yeah that, that's when i think you will just have to uh we'll just have to monitor but exactly. yeah they're all going in like an eight pick string in in, in terms of running back so yeah i i kind of agree with you you might want to just weigh off until we, we get some clarity because you know, two of those guys are going to be bust pretty much uh of the three so yeah, we're on the same page with sleepers. We both love, 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 love Michael Gallup. Probably one of the most undervalued players, I think, uh, at this stage. Mm-hmm. Um, no busts for you. I, I'm I'm gonna go out and say I think Ferguson will be a bust at, at tight end 32. Mm-hmm. I just I just don't know how much the A dot increases, and I I just think that you know them kind of going out and getting Schoonmaker. Um, you know, kind of signals that it's not, you know, they're not just happy to just kind of slot Ferguson and then Hendershot in who, you know, some thought, you know, maybe you could, if Schultz wasn't like a ma- massive talent either, you know, yeah. it might've been okay with Ferguson or Hendershot, but no, they went out and got another guy. So um, I- I'm going to say Ferguson at tight end as one of the top 32 tight ends in the league. I'm going to say by the end of the year, he is not uh, in-, in that, uh, in that category. Let's go to the New York giants who overhauled their, Passing game, sort of, kind of. Uh, I would say they did. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot yeah. to unpack here. <laughs> we can start with Daniel Jones. He's going to QB 13. Uh, and uh, for me, I, I don't know, where are you, where are you at with Jones? It, QB 13, high, uh, low, about right? Uh, it's about right. I mean, this time last year, he was going QB 28. And uh, I think oh, yeah. both of we us were him. screaming about him and Jared Goff going that loud. Uh, around that late, but uh, he's pretty expensive now. Um, but he was, you know, QB nine in points per game. Um, and thanks in large part to just his rushing ability. You know, he puts up massive rushing uh, numbers. So if he were to have a better supporting cast around him in the passing game, you know, that could unlock, uh, you know, an even higher ceiling. So I do like what they did, you know, bring in Darren Waller at tight end. Uh, they drafted Jalen Hyatt on the third round, who's a p- potential deep threat to be what Kenny Galladay was supposed to be. Uh, you know, they added Paris Campbell, Jamison Crowder, Wandale Robinson, Sterling Shepard are returning from injury. So I, I just think they have more depth to survive the injuries because he's never had a full season with his pass catchers. Um, so I do like his upside. I think QB 13 is pretty steep for me. I'm probably not targeting there, but if he falls outside the, the top 15, absolutely sign me up for Daniel Jones. I, I just think he does have um that high floor ceiling combo with his rushing ability and potentially unlock unlocking his passing um ceiling this year that uh i think the market is finally appropriately uh ranked him yeah like th- i'll definitely have some of him on my team just because you know all things considered I, I i would rather get the guy with some rushing up so but i agree he's kind of priced where he needs to be now uh the one thing i did notice uh and and, I, and i'm i'm thinking this trend likely will continue uh, in weeks one through 10, they ran a very, very vanilla offense passing wise, just uh, about under 34 called passes per game, calling a pass just 53% of the time. And, and Jones only threw for 177 per game. Uh, from week 11 on, uh, over 40 called passes per game. Uh, that's a 63% rate. So up 10%, 53 to 63 uh, from week 11 on, and that translated into uh, about 55 more passing yards per game for Jones. He was just over 230. So, you know, they, they do have some more depth now at the pass catcher positions. I, I think they'll be comfortable continuing to open it up. And I also think the Giants got pretty lucky 
uh, in the first, you know, you know, half of the season. Oh, they remember they were just like winning all these games and kind of keeping <laughs> things close. And uh, I, I think it, it kind of evened out a little more down the stretch. And I look at their schedule this year, and that's part of the reason I don't, I don't love Daniel Jones either, but I think it'll be more challenging. I mean, you face Dallas, San Francisco in the first three weeks, Miami and Buffalo, uh, you know, by week six, which are two good defenses, the Jets in week eight, uh, the Cowboys uh, in week 10, the Patriots in week 12, uh, the, the Packers and Saints should be pretty solid in, in 14, 15, the Eagles in 16. Uh, and then mixed in, you got some really good matchups, Cardinals in week two, Rams in the in the final in week 17, but a lot more difficult matchups I, I, I see uh, this year on the slate than easy ones, which could lead to more passing, but also less efficiency. There's no Vikings. Well, why, you know, like that, I, I'm pretty sure Daniel yeah. got like 110% of his production against the Vikings last yeah. year and Ed Donatel pouring out for him. Um, Cause Brian Flores is there now. So their defense should be better, but yeah, that, and it's, it's, I'm not excited about Daniel Jones the way I was um, last year, but let's exactly. kind of, let's, uh, let's take a deep breath and let's try to figure out what the fuck uh, these wide receivers, receivers yeah. to do, because I, I, I mean, this is hilarious. I'm just going to read off these ADPs. And <laughs> yeah. The ADPs and also the sheer amount of them is hilarious. <laughs> you got, so you got wide receivers for the Giants that are, that have an ADP in best ball right now. Jalen Hyatt at wide receiver 72 is the highest. Wide receiver 72 is yeah. the highest. But then you got wide receiver 74, Wondell Robinson. That's two. Wide receiver 82, Paris Campbell. That's three. Wide receiver 86, Isaiah Hodgins, that's four. Wide receiver 92, Darius Slayton, that's five. Count them, five Giants between 72 and 92, which means no one knows what the fuck's going to happen. <laughs> um, so tell us, what do you think is going to happen? I, I I mean, I told you over a month ago, I said, wait till you start projecting the Giants. They have like 47 slot receivers. I was waiting for you to tell me. I got, I I got, a, I got some thoughts, but oh, I got okay. some thoughts. Um, um, yeah, man, I, I want to hear that... you first, though. <laughs> the the receiver with the clearest path to the role that they have is Jalen Hyatt. So I think he's probably worth being the first Giants receiver off the board. And it's hilarious that the first receiver off the board is wide receiver 72. That just sums it all up. But, you know, they draft him in the third round. He he profiles as a deep threat. Um, he kind of reminds me of a Will Fuller, Robbie Anderson type. Um, so he's going to have a wide range of outcomes week to week. But that's who he is. And uh, they already have Darius Slayton, who kind of already does that role pretty well, so he'll have to beat him out. But I think he has the clearest bat path to, to hitting value, whereas all these other guys, I mean, I think Wondell Robinson has the best path um, for these, like, pioneer slot guys. Um, I mean, Paris Campbell has some upside, but he's never been able to stay healthy. Isaiah Hodgins impressed last year, so it wouldn't shock me if he's still a top-two target. Uh, they, they still have Sterling Shepard, Jamison Crowder, um, so who knows how this is going to sort out, but they can only have three receivers on the field at a given time. Um, and they're going to have to compete with Darren Waller. So this isn't really a situation to invest in other than the occasional flyer and best ball on Jalen Hyatt. Cause I think he will have a few games where he pops off for a long touchdown. And that's kind of what you want from a guy outside of the top 70, but other than that, your guess is as good as mine. Yeah, I've, I've spent it, it's I like I love Hyatt, Hyatt's talent. Uh, quick, fast guy can, can challenge deep from the slot. I think what's going to happen is so remember, Wandale is coming off a torn ACL, he tore it uh late November. Shepard tore his ACL as well. Uh, that was a little earlier. He also we didn't even mention Shepard, he doesn't even have an ADP, but he got brought back. So what I think is going to happen is I think Darius Slayton is in Paris Campbell are going to have roles uh, mm -hmm. in week one, because if you look at the guaranteed money, they re-signed Slayton to a two-year deal, about five mil guaranteed uh, and Paris Campbell uh, about four, 4.7 mil guaranteed. Hodgins got zero money, guaranteed money. Shepard got zero guaranteed money. Either of those guys could be cut. Uh, or be a healthy scratch. Uh, Shepard is also a candidate to open the year on the PUP, as is Wandale. Um, but Paris Campbell was a slot receiver last year. However, the year before, he played 91% of his snaps out wide. So I think 
he's going to play more out wide. Shepard played two thirds of the, if it snaps out wide. So if he's a factor at all, I think he's also going to be competing out wide. So I think the perimeter depth is going to be Slayton, Campbell, one, yeah. two. Uh, and then one of Hodgins or Shepard. I think if Shepard's not healthy, I think Hodgins makes the team. But when you look at his underlying metrics, they're not as good as Shepard, uh, Slayton's, excuse me. And then Slayton got five mil guaranteed in a two-year deal. Hodgins got uh, less a, a year, 870K and nothing guaranteed. So that kind of tells you which one of those two they value, even though the numbers work somewhat similar down the stretch last year. Uh, and then in the slot, that's where I think it's going to be the two young guys. I think it's going to be Hyatt, who, yes, he can play outside, but he played 89% of his uh, career snaps at school in the slot. Um, so I think as a rookie, I don't, I don't know if they're going to, especially, you know, they have other guys that like have also played inside outside that they could, you know, put outside. So I think Hyatt is kind of the Wandale insurance. Remember both kind of, you know, day two picks. Yeah. Um, so I think that's how it's going to go. Slayton Campbell, and then, Hyatt Wandale would be the top four. Um, maybe Wandale Hyatt if Wandale was healthy uh, and Hyatt would start as the four. Um, and then if if Hyatt uh, also struggles or you can also put Campbell in the slot and and you can go Slayton Hodgins uh, and then Campbell in the slot. But I think ideally um, they'd like to have one of those two rookies, you know, those, the top four as Wandale Hyatt, uh, Slayton and Campbell. Like I think those would be their ideal top four with Shepard just kind of chilling for, you know, leadership purposes <laughs> and, and Hodgins, maybe he makes it yeah. on the practice squad, but the guaranteed money speaks volumes for him. So Slayton being that he's the lowest, the guy with the lowest ADP, uh, you know, if I had to say one of these guys, I'm going to take, I, I like Hyatt too. Um, but just like, I, I don't have a problem with him. I think he's probably Probably about he does have, some yeah. but I think Slayton has a little bit more room to grow because he was wide receiver uh, just outside the top 50, 51 in PPR, 52 and half PPR uh, in 2022. And he played only two thirds of the snaps, which, you know, there's a chance he just keeps playing like 90% of the snaps because he got five most, the most guaranteed money out of anybody. And there's yeah. really not many other guys that can truly are true outside receivers. So, um, at wide receiver 92, I don't mind him. I think he has some room to grow in his ADP uh, and could, he's always been very consistent, just kind of in that, you know, 16, 17% targets per route, about 1.4 yards per route. Campbell just 1.1 career yards per route. Um, so it's about uh, like about a 0.3 yards per route more for Slayton. So I think if they run the same amount, Slayton will be more productive. So all these things kind of lead me to saying, yeah, Hyatt, <laughs> Hyatt obviously, but I yeah. think Slayton actually is the most undervalued because I I think he might get the most routes. Um, He's and- just the, the underlying stable force. Right. Just right. shit show. And just to throw another wrinkle into it, I feel like Brian Dable doesn't give a shit how much money you're making, your Mm-mm. draft capital. Nope. Remember projecting them last year? David Sills, the fourth or the fifth or whatever, was the starting receiver. And then they started uh, Marcus Johnson. Then yeah. they eventually started Isaiah Hodgins. And we had no idea at the time. So don't count out Jeff Smith, Khalil Pimpleton, or Bryce Ford. Alan Johnson. That's the Who guy. That? That's the guy you need to watch. He's another <laughs> oh, yeah, guy coming yeah, off an injury. He was yeah. ripping up camp last year. Yeah, Alan Johnson could end up being this year's Hodgins. He could. I'm just up. saying, even these yeah. guys we're not talking about, one of them can pop up because Dable doesn't care. He's just going to play whoever he thinks gives them the best chance that week. Mm-hmm. Um, so needless to say, this is an absolute shit show regardless. Uh, Waller's a tight end seven. He is age. He's he's 31. Now uh, his targets per route have been declining. He went from uh, 27% to uh, two, three years ago, 24%, two years ago, just 17% last year. Um, but some of that may not just be age. It may just be the presence of Devonte Adams. Who's an absolute target hog. Yeah. Uh, and I don't think Bellinger, uh, he is brolic now. I don't know if you saw Be- a picture of Bellinger lately, but he's got like ridiculous biceps now. Uh-oh. Um, but he only get, got targeted 12% of his routes. He only, his A dot was barely over four. So I think, you know, Waller is going to be kind of like a, like a slot receiver, probably be the number one receiver in terms of targets. Um, so I, I was down on him a little more earlier, but I, I've kind of come around just because I I, th- I do think Devontae had something to do with the precipitous decline in, in targets per route. I think he could get back up to at least, you know, above 20%. Uh, percent. Oh, yeah. But, you know, tight end seven, I really don't like taking a tight end in this range. So I probably still won't have a ton of Waller, but uh, I don't know. What are your thoughts on, on Waller? 
Yeah, I'm similar because, you know, I, I chalk up his 18% uh, target per route run rate due to playing next to Devontae Adams. I think in this offense, it'll clearly be over 20%, way over. But there just won't be as many targets or yards to go around, if we're being honest. So I, I think that does cap his upside a bit. You mentioned, you know, he's going to be turning 31. He was a late bloomer, so mm-hmm. um, he's probably a lot older than people think. And he just hasn't been able to stay healthy the past couple seasons. There's been some times where he suffered an injury and we thought he'd be out one or two games. It ends up being five or six. So he just hasn't been able to play through what seemed like lesser injuries. So that's that's a concern for me. Um, so tight end seven sounds fair. Um for him, but I just think tight end so deep this year. If I don't get one of the top three or four, um, I'm comfortable taking flyers on these tight ends outside of the top 10. So this is sort of the range, right? I tend to punt on tight end and he's no different. I, I think he does have a ton of upside in this offense, but it is pretty limited. Yeah. I'd rather just, you know, wait a little bit long, a lot a bit longer and get like a Chigo Conquo yeah. uh, or even a Kincaid or somebody like that. Uh, Saquon is going as RB five uh, in in the run game. You know, uh, efficiency about went from about three point seven yards a carry to four and a half last year. I think that's just you know another year removed from the injury and the O line got better, um, about a half a yard better in terms of adjusted line yards. Could take another step forward. Twenty six years old, so probably at least one more year uh, before he starts truly declining. So I, I don't have mu- I don't have much on him. Uh, any, anything on Saquon. No, just that we we kind of called his bounce back season last year. He was fully healthy, and he's still one of the best running backs in the game when he's healthy. So it wasn't shocking to see him play, play well. Um, like you said, you know he's going to be 26 this season. I think yeah, it's the tail end of his prime. I think we get one more elite season before we have to start worrying about decline. I, I have him as my RB three right now, so I'm I'm actually drafting him over Bijan or Jonathan Taylor, although it's very close. Um, so I, I'm a little bit higher than consensus. I think if you get him at RB five, that's a steal, but either way, he still carries that number one overall kind of upside. Yeah. I think, yeah, I think, uh, I have him at three as well because, you know, Bijan, it's, we just don't know yet. Like we love the talent, yeah, uh, but we just don't know. We haven't seen it. And, and Taylor, you know, there's some uncertainty going, you know, new offense, uh, you know, new quarterback, just a lot of new news going on. So, a um, little more stability, more confident projection with with uh, yeah. Saquon. Uh, all right, so to recap, the Giants, you like Jalen Hyatt, uh, the rookie as a sleeper. I like Darius Slayton. Uh, you don't have a bust. Uh, I think Isaiah Hodgins uh, likely is, is a bust just because, again, I think, you know, now that they've had a year to kind of evaluate these guys, I think you could pay a little more attention to to the money and, and what's going on. And um, they they clearly made their choice of, of Slayton over over Hodgins. And I, I think, you know, if all these if guys are healthy, I, I think Hodgins is the one to kind of, um, you know, he, he, he's the one to kind of be the odd man out. Let's go to the Washington commanders. And uh, we do have Eric B coming in, replacing Scott Turner. Uh B now with the caveat that he had Patrick Mahomes, uh, he was 82nd. <laughs> That's a big per- caveat. Right. 80s, but 82nd percentile in pass attempts over the last five years. Now he wasn't, calling plays so that again it's like maybe nothing even to take away but he is kind of experienced he's been in a passer much more pass heavy offense he's learned under uh andy reed who's a pass heavy guy washington has been right around the average in pass attempts overall in rivera's tenure but the last couple years they've been below average um you know you have Brissett here you have sam howell here uh qb 28 and 37 respectively do you think maybe we we get back to you know league average or above even uh with the enemy yeah, I think so. Uh, like I said, I think uh, a lot of the heavy lifting with the enemy, his past stats are just due to having Patrick mm-hmm. Holmes and being at the Chiefs. But I think it, it certainly couldn't hurt. Um, and I, I thought Sam Howell should have started way earlier last year. So I, I, I think he'll get the first crack at it this year. Um, you know, he couldn't, he can't be much worse than Carson Wentz, Tyler Henneke. Um, He always gave me, uh, Howell that is, gave me like Baker Mayfield vibes with more rushing upside. I think yeah. that's sort of the potential for him. Um, however, the fact that Washington signed Jacoby Brissett, um, you know, could mean Howell has a shorter leash. Like if he really struggles, it's going to be very easy for them yep. to plug in Brissett. So you can't really project Howell for 16 plus games, but you know, if he does end up playing that much, like I think he's going to be a home run at QB 28. However, I, I, I'm just not 
targeting him. Uh, I, I think he, he does have a wide range of outcomes. So um, if he falls outside of the top 30, I'm interested, but not at 28, just because we can't project him for more than 16 games. Yeah, this is again, I, this is a guy I would I would take in, in redraft, just not in best ball because right. I, I, yeah. I do think it's you want that rush. He does, he doesn't have like, uh, you know, Justin Fields or anything like that <laughs> rushing upside, but right. he doesn't have more rushing upside than the average quarterback. Uh, and, you know, he does scramble uh, a, a lot. Um, at least he has, you know, we've seen that in, in the regular season. We've seen that in preseason. We've seen that in, in college as well. So, you know, him scrambling. Scrambles are worth about the same amount of yardage as a pass attempt, about, you know, seven yards. So um, I, I do like him, and I, I would I don't mind him at 28 uh, as long as he's the week one starter and you just kind of ride it until he gets benched, uh, I yeah. think, you know. Um, because again, I, I just think that rushing that even that little bit of rushing upside, uh, is valuable. So, so I do like how there, but, but you're right. I think he, he definitely will have a short leash with Jacoby Brissett, uh, as one of the premier backups in this league. Uh, I want to talk about the run game because I, you know, the same way I think Gallup is probably the guy I'm the highest on compared to ADP. Uh, Brian Robinson Jr. is probably the guy I'm the lowest on. Uh, he's going at RB32, and I've talked about this. All the words, all, all the reports I hear out of camp is the enemy and Rivera talking up not only Antonio Gibson, but also six-rounder Chris Rodriguez, who the enemy apparently would bang the table for uh, and is a an early-down physical short yardage uh, back uh, out of Kentucky, I believe. So, you know, I, I think the writing's on the wall. And then Rivera finally did, did get a, have a quote about Robinson. And he was like, he wants him to be more of a, like, a, you know, like it's not just about him type of thing. And then he kind of qualified and said, oh, it goes for everybody. But <laughs> I did it's not good that he's kind of calling him out. So everything is pointing to Robinson having a lesser role. And he's a volume-based, inefficient back. Under four yards of carry in his rookie year, just two touchdowns on 205 carries under seven yards a catch as well and barely got any catches 50 50th out of 60 running backs and yards after contact uh, according to pff uh, which is not what you want to see for a you know an early down guy and also game script dependent 17 over 17 carries a game last year despite playing just 43 percent of the snaps and washington was six five and one in games he played uh, they have one of the lowest win totals in the league this year and, and a very tough schedule. So for me, everything <laughs> is pointing towards Gibson, but I also think there's a chance that Rodriguez uh, ends up at some point overtaking Robinson because again, new regime and just everything we've been hearing uh, is, is kind of pointing away from, from Robinson. And, and he like, statistically speaking, he's really given us no reason to, to, to you know, be optimistic either with, with efficiency or anything like that. Exactly. No, I'm, I'm right there with you. I mean, at the end of the day, he's an early down back uh, that, you know, he's a goal line back early down back that kind of needs positive game scripts hit value. And he's on a team with the six and a half win total, one of the worst teams in the league. So he's not going to have as many uh, game scripts than you'd like. And the fact that they drafted the running back that compliments him the most, you know, Chris Rodriguez is a power back who is a direct competitor to Brian Robinson is another red flag. Um, so just given he's going in the same range as Alexander Madison and Khalil Herbert, who I would take a hundred percent of the time over him. Penny, um, Penny he, too. Oh, Penny. Well, yeah, Penny's still. I would take Penny over him. Too. Yeah. 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 Well, I'm not taking Brian Robinson at 32, but yeah, <laughs> even if he were to fall to 40, it wouldn't matter. Cause I would take Penny over him as well. So yep. yeah, I think right now he's just being overdrafted for sure. You know, Gibson, uh, you know, RB38, probably a little bit, little bit of a P. I'd, I'd actually rather take Gibson. Yeah. Rivera said he would like to see Gibson get, quote unquote, more uh, more tries, obviously. Um, and, and, you know, <laughs> remember, it. Scott Turner's gone. So that makes it seem like yeah. you know, maybe Turner, that was more Turner. Um, and, 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 yeah, again, the game script, you know, forget Rodriguez, just the game script in general should favor Gibson uh, more yeah. than Robinson. And we've seen Gibson with this role in the past, so it's not like we're – um, projecting crazily here. Um, the pass catchers, you know, Terry McLaurin, wide receiver 21. I mean, he's very consistent. I think the only, you know, if if we get a, a pass heavier um, kind of scheme with the enemy, I think that's the thing that will help him hit his ceiling. But I'm, I, I'm, I'm fine with him at, at 21. What about you? Oh, absolutely. I, I think he should go inside the top 20. You know, he's one of those wide receivers 
who's way better in real life than fantasy, just because he, he's typically held back due to poor quarterback play. And that should certainly be the case again this year. Uh, but I thought the fact that they brought in Jacoby Brissett helps uh, Terry McLaurin's floor, just in case Howell is a complete disaster. He'll at least have Jacoby Brissett who can hold down the fort. And I think McLaurin will be a lock to be a top 24 receiver either way. So I, I just love getting a guy like McLaurin uh, this cheap. So I, I definitely like him in this range. And there's a big disparity between Dotson at wide receiver 39 and then Samuel at wide receiver 76. You know, Samuel obviously was a favorite of Turner's, but I uh, get some of his best years without Turner and, and Bianami had McCole Hardman and he was always very efficient and, and, and productive in that offense. So uh, what do you think of, of Dotson entering year two at, uh, inside the top 40 and, and Samuel way down there at 76? I think their ADP should be a lot closer. Um, you know, mm-hmm. I love Dotson as a prospect uh, heading out of college. You know, he reminded me of Tyler Lockett, Elijah Moore, that kind of player. Um, however, last year, you know, his touchdown total was a bit fluky. You know, 20% of his receptions were touchdowns. I don't know if you can bank on that, just having Sam Hell and Jacoby Brissett and the commander's offense in general. So I think he's just being overdrafted based on that. Uh, but I think he will be the clear number two target um, in this offense uh, behind Terry McLaurin. Um, but I, I just don't think that's worth taking him inside the top 40. I just don't think this offense is going to produce, um, you know, two top 40 receivers. So getting Curtis Samuel way later, well, it's not like the sexiest thing. I'm not saying I would do it. Um, he does provide a very high floor in the 70s, the wide receiver 70 range, just because we have to remember J.D. McKessick is gone. So I think Antonio Gibson's going to handle a lot of that. Uh, leftover work but you know Curtis Samuel's sort of a quasi running back wide receiver where he could get three to four direct rush attempts a game three to four receptions a game and in that wide receiver 75 range like that's a pretty high floor you can't really count on that many touches from anybody in that range so I think he's he's an interesting option way later than Dotson but uh, I think those two their ADP should be a lot closer although I would lean Dotson of course yeah I mean you know Dotson the year two weeps you know there is some unrealized upside but you know 15 uh, percent target rate so he's got a, a ways to go up and and the, the a dot was fifth over 15 so uh it, it could just be one of those you know low percentage route situations where uh it's not about the player but just kind of the role he has you know mm-hmm. might lead to some inconsistent results especially when you're taking him inside the top 40 but um yeah you know uh, samuel going way later now his, his production did go down uh, some with dotson in the lineup uh mm-hmm. 1.6 yards per route uh, in the five games without uh, 1.15 yards per route in the uh, in the games with Dotson. But uh, like you said, I, I don't think Diami Brown is going to like take out any of those wide receiver three snaps. And I also think Samuel could also factor in at the running back position, like as, as you mentioned, like a McKissick type. So um, no problem with that. Uh, Logan Thomas, it's probably over for him. Age 32, <laughs> his yards per yeah. route went from 1.3 two years ago to 0.9, under one last year. So um, yeah, not, 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 not too much to like there. A couple of younger guys, uh, behind him, but, uh, yeah, uh, that's, uh, that's going to do it for, uh, got through a ton of players. Once again, uh, to recap for the commanders, uh, you like Sean, uh, Gibson as a sleeper on his team and Curtis Samuel. Uh, I like Gibson and in deeper leagues, Chris Rodriguez, why not take mm-hmm. a flyer? I think he could end up at some point, uh, overtaking Robinson. Uh, and then, yeah, we're both on Robinson uh to bust and yeah i think i would say that's my most uh confident uh guy that i think will not hit his adp in the league at this point at running back 32 so there you have it if you want to hear us talking afc east that episode is up right now here on the fantasy flex feed and and be sure to stay tuned next week we got our afc and nfc north fantasy preview episodes drop in you can find sean on twitter at the underscore oddsmaker and me at chris raybon and you can find us at those same handles on the free award-winning action network app until next time let's get this money action network reminds you please gamble responsibly if you or someone you care about has a gambling problem Help is available 24-7 at 1-800-GAMBLER.